Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. You welcome back. Let's settle for the details. I will start from Parliament because there's a breaking story we have for you this afternoon. Deputy Majority Leader Alexander Fenyomarkin has blocked the third reading of the anti-gay bill which would have seen the passage of the controversial bill. Now, Alexander Fenyomarkin is clear. He is not against the principles of the bill and, in fact, supports it. However, he is opposed to jailing people who are accused of engaging or promoting the LGBTIQ++++. Now, listen to the Deputy Majority Leader making a spirited argument on the floor as we bring in Parliamentary Affairs Correspondent Kweku Asante with details on this very breaking story. Kweku, you're welcome to the polls. Elton. So, so let's establish were, this. Were. This motion for a second consideration of the bill, has it been admitted and approved by the, by the House? Yes, it has been moved, it has been voted on, and that, that, that motion has won. The Speaker of Parliament came in to sit in the chair and said that there was some important business that he thought the House had to deal with. Apparently, that was the anti-gay bill. In his view, Parliament has to pass that. And you know, last week, the House concluded the consideration stage of the anti-gay bill. So all that has been left is for the third reading, and right after the third reading, the Speaker of Parliament will hit the gavel, and the bill would have been passed. And so the Speaker of Parliament signaled the intention that the third bill, the third reading of this bill should be should, should advance. But then Alexander Pinyamaki was on his feet, insisting that he had some specific motions that he wanted to move about this. His motion mm-hmm. was that the House should take a second consideration. And so by virtue of the new standard orders and order 171, he moved a motion for the second consideration of this. So, had it not been for this motion, the House would have approved the anti-LGBTQ plus bill today. But Alexander Fenyomakin signaled his intention to move the motion. In fact, he had prepared a long statement on this, and he had actually read them on the floor. Mm. And so he's proposing up to about 15 changes to the bill. And the crux of Alexander Fenyomakin's opposition to the bill is not in terms of the principle. He says he's not against the bill. That would seek to criminalize LGBTQ activities or the promotion of LGBTQ activities. Mm. However, he does not approve of imposing custodial sentences in the bill. The bill imposes, in some aspects, up to five years for persons who engage in LGBTQ activities, the promotion, and other things. For persons who engage in it, they have up to three, between three and six months to go in jail for, of course, with fines, 
and other things. Mm. But Alexander Fenyomakin says, instead, you should be imposing fines on and other community sentences. You should not put anybody in jail because they engaged in LGBTQ activities because they promoted LGBTQ. So, so, so that was so, the so basically, his argument. So that we, was the basis for his motion that the House should proceed to do a second consideration of this bill. So basically, it's again custodial sentence, as you know, uh, prescribed in the earlier bill. The reason why he's moved for a second consideration of the bill, so that custodial sentence can be taken out, and, and in any place, fines or other imposed on people who uh, may be caught when this bill becomes law. Right, so we'll bring on Kweku Asante, who is a parliamentary uh, correspondent, the latest on this uh, proper human sexuality bill that is before parliament. Now, it's gone through consideration. All was left of this was for the bill to be taken to third reading. After third reading, then it is passed and then, you know, subject to the, uh, the president's ascension of the bill, then it can become a law. Now, we have been told this afternoon that Alexander Fenyomarkin, who is a deputy majority leader, uh, so what I was asking, Afrika-Americans propose a motion that is requesting second consideration of the bill. He is seeking to remove custodial sentence and in any place, you know, impose fines on people who may be caught practicing this if it becomes a law. Yes, that, that, that was the basis of his, of his argument on the floor today, signaling his intention that as a, as a lawyer and someone who has practiced for so long, his days as a law student, well, if you put people in jail for LGBTQ activities, they will become worse off because mm. the Ghana's jails, the prisons, are not in proper conditions. They are the avenues for sodomy and other other such other such things that you, you, you are seeking to prescribe by putting them in jail. And so in his view, instead of putting people in jail for LGBT activities, impose on them hefty fines if you may. Ask them to do community centering. Already Ghanaian prisons are filled to the brink. Mm. There's no space for people to be there. Prison rooms that should occupy It's taking hundreds of people. Mm. So you do not have a proper prison system that will reform these persons because the purpose for this bill, some George and Co. have argued, is to reform. And so they are going to put somebody in jail for 10, 20 years and they will not be they will not be reformed. And the prison will actually worse them, leave them worse off. Then you are not going to achieve anything that you are seeking to achieve. And that is why we were seeking to put this proposal to the floor of the House. But the House should do a second consideration mm. and then... There are about 15 clauses of this bill that is currently before the House that imposes custodial sentence. And then take that custodial sentence out, and then you will be able to, as it were, impose fines, community sentencing, treatment. Because mind you, some of the sponsors of the bill have said that LGBT activities is even a mental disease. And so why are you going to put somebody that you admit has mental problems in jail? It will not leave them any better off. And so... That was the crux of the argument of Pedro Martin put. And surprisingly, mm -hmm. the sponsors of the bill were not opposed to this. In fact, some George, Roxy Nelson, who are co-sponsors of this bill, were actually on their feet somewhat endorsing this view that had been taken by, 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 by Alexander Pedro Martin. Of course, they do not agree that they should take the custodial sentence from the bill. But they did not block the, the argument that there should be a second consideration. And so that happened. There was a vote, and the House unanimously adopted okay. the motion of Alexander Fenyomakin for a second consideration of this bill, which has actually started. It was the view of the Speaker that 
the House will conclude a second consideration today and vote on Ted Lee and pass it today. But clearly, there was not enough time to be able to do all that. So they have to do part of it and then adjourn to continue tomorrow. So the, 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 the proposed clause for consideration uh, that a fair market is seeking to move only centers around non-custodial centers. Yes. In fact, 15 of them, he has a lengthy memorandum that he has presented to the House. And whenever there is a place in the bill that imposes custodial sentence, mm. that jails someone for LGBTQ activities, that puts somebody in jail for engaging in behavior that promotes LGBTQ activities mm. and, and, and all that, he says that that must be replaced with non-custodial sentence. And for the reasons he canvasses that, it does not make any sense. When you put people in jail, it will leave them worse off. It will not change them. It, it will not improve society in any way. And so that is what he's seeking to do. If you sense the, 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 mood, the view of the House, the mood mm. of the House, and today there were more minority MPs than there were majority MPs, the House is not inclined to go by the views that have been expressed by Federal Martin because they actually put on the floor one of the, the, the motions that were removed by Federal Martin, in fact, Clause 4, right. which was seeking to remove um, um, custodial sentence, and he mm -hmm. lost that. So the House actually... Um, reinstated custodial sentence in clause 4 of the bill. They are going to continue clause by clause till they conclude and then they can put a vote. But Afenio Maki wants to be to go on the record. He wants posterity to come and look at the, the debate as has happened on the floor right. of the House. Well, and we, know that somebody riled against that. Well, let me hold you there. We'll come back to deal with other, other various matters this afternoon. But let me bring in uh, one of the sponsors, indeed, the main sponsor of this bill, uh, Honorable Sam George, Member of Parliament for you go from here in the Greater Accra region. All of us, I'm George, you welcome to the polls here on Joy News. Thank you very much. Uh, good afternoon to everyone. Great, it's a pleasure. And, and I guess today uh, you were hoping to celebrate the passage uh, of this bill. Now you have to wait for some days because of this new development. What, what, what is your reaction to the position taken by Honorable Alexander Fonyo Marken? Well, I think it's within his democratic rights and it's part of the parliamentary procedure. He's um, introduced an amend, uh, introduced a motion to arrest the third reading um, for us to do the second consideration. We were, we were not opposed to it. In fact, we as sponsors had intended to arrest the third reading and do some amendments because when the draft passes brought the bill, we realized that um, there were some omissions. And so we just needed to quickly uh, tidy those up. Those are, for us, there are about 10 of them, but they are very, it's just grammar, basically, that we were, we were tweeting. And so, no major thing, something we thought we would complete in 30 minutes. Then the Honorable Alexander uh, Fenton Martin comes in with his motion. We are not opposed to his motion. In fact, we get one of our members, the sponsors, to second the motion because we're also going to do a second consideration. Then we have what you can technically call filibustering happen where he basically just repeats himself and runs around just to wind down the clock. Spent almost an hour on his feet, repeating all the arguments he had made last week Wednesday and last week Thursday. And after he was done with that, he called in the chairman, uh, Honorable Ayimedu, who unfortunately behaved in a way that was not the most honorable man, uh, lying before the House and misleading Mr. Speaker on what the House had said, which was not, not, not true. He literally peddled on truth, and unfortunately, he didn't do the honorable thing. He didn't think it was honorable enough to accept. When the speaker basically called him out for misleading the house and, and being untruthful, uh, and by reading the record from the hands 
ensuring that what the chairman of the committee, Kwame may do, uh, had said that speaker was the decision of the house, was truly not the decision of the house. He, he, he told to withdraw and apologize. Mm. But I mean, records would show that he had been untruthful about what had pertained uh, in the house. We will continue this whenever um, the speaker comes. And I think that it's clear. Akwenyo mm. Martin will be advised to withdraw his amendments because he would lose every single one of his amendments. Um, we took the first one today. It failed. If you listen to the voice vote, even though we had almost 20 members of the majority side, in the house, I, I, when I counted, there were 19 of them. Mm. Um, he was the only one who voted for his amendment. And when you look at the counter, the counter that I put up when the speaker put the question, the whole house supported that motion. And I mean, whatever, it is the same argument is repeated 12 times or, or about 13 times. And so it's, it's a moot position. It's not going to fly. It's not going to go anywhere. Um, if it's tomorrow, if it's next, if the speaker brings it, we will defeat all his amendments and then quickly pass through our amendments and go ahead with the bill. So, therefore, you leave to fight another day. But tell me, I mean, his position is that we should have non custodial centers. You are against it, clearly. It, it makes absolutely no sense to say that because you want to reform people, we shouldn't imprison them. Then, why are we imprisoning anybody for, for any of the crimes in Ghana? Why is anybody being sentenced to court? That's the Don't we want the reform of every other person who falls out of the law? Laws are passed not just for reform, but laws are passed to act as a precaution so that people know that if I do this, there is a penalty. Mm. The penalty is what makes people say, I will not do it. Listen, why? Are you, are you telling me that there, you, you've never felt broke or, you, or you've never been broke? I have been broke before. Every day I wake up and I don't have a city. Mm. And it would have been easy for me to go into somebody's house and go in, or go into a bank and demand money of the bank with a gun. But I look at what the penalty is for doing that. The penalty means that I'm going to move away from my lovely children and my wife and be, be, be locked up in jail if I'm lucky. Mm. If I'm not lucky, I'll be shot and killed by the police. That in itself is, is preventive enough. It makes me walk with my hunger and look for money legitimately. Why? Because I know what the punishment is. It's steep, it's punitive. But if you pass a law and you are slapping people on the wrist, why would anybody take that law seriously? And I, and I mean, the whole argument Afenio is making, mm. it, 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 it beggars, you try to understand the logic. It really doesn't hold water. You know, when, when, when someone is a financier of, 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 of groups and persons who want to do this, you think we should, we should not fine them, or we, or we should give them a very big fine. I mean, there really is no wisdom behind it. And in fact, when you look at the community sentencing he's asking us to introduce, there is no legal framework for it in Ghana. There is absolutely no legal framework. He says that he's aware government is working on a draft. How do we pass a law today with the hope that tomorrow somebody will come and come in? That would be very irresponsible on our part as members of our and It's an invitation to irresponsibility that we would not accept. Uh, that invitation we will not honor. So you, you therefore don't see this as another, you know, attempt to put some impediments in the way of the passage uh, of the bill, but rather somebody exercising his democratic 
Right. Well, well, you can't stop a member of parliament from exercising his democratic right. I mean, this is a democratic process, and that's why we even seconded it. And I'm, I'm saying that once we are done with the consideration, the second consideration, mm. and the rules of the house, there is nothing else we can do. You can't stop. Once we are done with the second, so whatever amendments he has, he filed them. We would address all the amendments. In fact, this, this afternoon, I stood up and said to the speaker that, look, once we defeated the first one, can we just take it as it's consequential on all the others so that we really have to waste them? And the speaker said, no. He would have to move everyone, and when he moves everyone, I will put the question. And so every time when he moves the motion, we will just stand up and say we are opposed. We don't need to repeat our argument. Mm. And the speaker will put the question, and we will vote him down. And we will go through. And then we would move our own amendment as advertised uh, on the other paper and carry them, and then we'll, we'll complete the bill. Because the majority of the members of parliament are opposed to the position of a single market and Kwame Aguilidi, the chairman of the committee. Mm. Before I let you go, so you don't expect this to travel long. You expect this to be dealt with as early as possible, right? I'm on record to stated that I believe that this would be an Easter gift right. to the people of Ghana. Mm. And so before the house breaks on the 22nd of March, I believe that this will be a, uh, uh, this bill will have been passed into law by the house. All right. Thank you so much, and have a, a lovely weekend. Uh, the member of parliament for Ningo Pram Pram sponsor, one of the sponsors of the, uh, the, the, the Human Sexual Rights and Family Values Bill, also known as the anti-gay bill, is the person we just spoke to. Now, earlier you heard our parliamentary correspondent. I don't know whether we still have Koku Asante on, on Zoom. All right, so Koku is gone off. We'll come back to deal with that issue. But let me just refresh your memory on the reason why this second consideration has become very important. And the reason is that Parliament approved an amendment to the Human Sexual Rights and Family Values Bill, also known as the anti-gay bill. This includes imposing a six-month custodial sentence or less on individuals who aid, facilitate, encourage, or promote LGBTQ activities. The amendment was proposed by co-sponsor Bill St. George, who believes that strict punishment is necessary to ensure compliance with the law once passed. Now, this afternoon, just like we brought you, the Deputy Majority Leader filed a mo or moved a motion on the floor of Parliament, motion which was debated, a vote passed on it, and then approved by the House. And the motion sought to get Parliament to undertake second consideration of the bill. Now, this second consideration, uh, that motion which was approved on the floor, means that the bill will have to go through another consideration. Now, his proposal is that instead of putting people in prison for aiding, facilitating, encouraging promotion of LGBTQ activities, such people must be made to pay fine, some financial obligation imposed on such people, instead of putting them in prison. This is the class of Alexander Fenyo Markin's uh, latest, you know, opposition to the Sexual Rights and Family Values Bill, uh, which is currently before the House. Now, on Monday, the House will have to now consider, uh, uh, take the bill to second consideration. And if he's successful in his proposal, then the custodial sentence could be replaced with fines. If he's not successful, then clearly we'll have to wait and see the, the, the bill go through third reading, which will eventually see its passage. So that's the breaking news we brought to this afternoon. But let me come back to the studio here. And you are watching the polls here on Joy News. My name is Elton Brobe. Now, to some other legal-related story, and Chief State Attorney at the Office of the Attorney General, Samuel Nelquay has been debarred as a lawyer 
by the General Legal Council for collecting 400,000 Ghana cities from businessman Alfred Abwesiwo Yome in 2011. It will be recorded that Mr. Nekwe Tete in 2012 was arrested by the police during investigations into the payment of 51.2 million cities judgment debt to Mr. Woyome. In a notice dated January 31, 2024, the disciplinary committee of the General Legal Council says Samuel Nekwe Tete was found guilty of professional misconduct. Now, we have heard of our legal decks. He has joined us, Richard Kujunyako. He is here with me. In this. So, you're welcome. Thank you. So, walk us through uh, the, the conclusion of the legal counsel, that we can come and deal with. Or perhaps let's start with the background to this. Why is Mr. Samuel Tete so prominent in the story? Well, so you remember that the Oyumi um, judgment debt saga became very huge, I mean, for public discussion. In fact, he was then the... Right, so I, I think we have some technical issues. We'll, we'll get it rectified, and then you can tell exactly what is happening. But the, the, the issue is that Mr. Samuel uh, uh, Tete, the General Legal Council, announced that the disbarment of him from legal practice, and the decision was made by the disciplinary committee of the General Legal Council in accordance with Section 12 of the Legal Profession Act 1960 and Regulation 20 of the Legal Profession Disciplinary Rules of 2020. The background to this is that uh, whilst working as state attorney responsible for the prosecution of Alfred Abwesiwo Yomi in 2012 for allegedly receiving uh, undeserved judgment debt of 51.2 million Ghana cities, uh, some amount of 400,000 Ghana cities was deposited in the account of Mr. Nikwe's uh, wife. Now, when this matter was brought to the attention of the General Legal Council and he was invited to appear before it, he could not tell how the money moved from Mr. Oyomi's account or wherever it came from and landed in the account of the wife. And the conclusion is that he may have misconduct himself during the process. The reason why is facing this part. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional Terms and conditions, Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Explained from the General Legal Council. Uh, uh, so, Richard, I was, I, I was just briefing viewers on what is at stake now. So, what exactly is the case? So the case is that, you know, in 2011-2012, there was this huge judgment debt saga involving Mr. Oyome. So uh, Mr. Nekwetete happened to be the chief state attorney, the one in charge of prosecuting Mr. Oyome mm -hmm. in this very particular case. In fact, in the course of events, uh, he was arrested together with other people. And so investigation started with Yoko getting involved in all of that. Now, investigation led to the fact that 400,000 Ghana cities was transferred directly from Mr. Uh, Alfred Abusiwoyumi's account to the account of the wife. In fact, this raised some eyebrows. Someone who is at the office of the Attorney General prosecuting this case 
and then monies from the person your husband is prosecuting um, found directly to have been transferred into your account. Mm. It raised a lot of eyebrows. Mm. And so, I mean, prosecution went on. But being a professional and belonging to um, the Ghana Bar Association, they are under the umbrella of the General Legal Council. And so an invitation was extended to him. So they caused the um, uh, investigation to be conducted. He appeared before them. And then these questions arose. Why was this money transferred to your wife's account? Someone who is performing a state function, a state duty to prosecute someone who people or the state deems fits that he has uh, taken monies that should not usually have been given to him, the 51.2 um, um, million Ghana cities. In fact, he is on record, according to the Yoko report, to have said that the state did not have any defense whatsoever. And so that led to the payment of the initial 41 million Ghana CDs that went to Mr. Alfred Aguizioumi. And so uh, when the questions were put to him uh, at the general legal he did not find any reasonable explanation why the money uh, the money was transferred from Mr. Wayomi's account to the wife's account. And so that is what led to the decision for the General Legal Council to disbar him. And so these were the two orders. The first order was that uh, he is not expected to hold himself out as a lawyer in this country. And the second is that his license has been revoked by the General Legal Council. And so he cannot also offer any professional advice to any public institution. And Asana, at some point, he was arrested. Yes, he was arrested. In fact, around 2011, 2012, um, they, he was arrested uh, together with other people mm. as well. And so investigations started uh, flowing. So the, the conclusion is that he can no longer hold himself as lawyer. Exactly. But if, if, if in, the, in the estimation of the General Legal Council, he misconduct, he misconducted himself, uh, maybe the money that went to his wife account was actually for him, why not prosecute him? Well, so um, this is a professional um, association, and they have taken the first step. Mm -hmm. But if Mr. Nekwetete believes that not something untold has happened when he appeared before the General Legal Council, or the decision of the General Legal Council has been unfair, or has been treated by malice, or it breached any principles of natural justice, he has the cause to go to court for redress. Mm. All right, Kweju, thank you very much for coming through. And we've been, we've been looking at this latest decision by the General Legal Council uh, that, has, that has led to the, 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 the debarment, is that a word like that? Disbarment. Disbarment uh, from the legal practice, uh, former state uh, attorney, uh, Samuel Nikwe Tete. Now, let's stay in the court a little longer because the World District Court has remanded into police custody five persons arrested in connection with a gruesome murder of CEO of Royal Cozy Hills Hotel, otherwise known as Jirapa Dubai, Eric Johnson. They are to reappear in court on February 28. We have more for you uh, after this short break. This is the pause here on Joy News.
you welcome back to the polls here on join let's deal with some health related issues and the dialysis unit at the Kolebu teaching hospital is once again under pressure as the unit is unable to raise money to purchase consumables for service delivery that's very sad the unit was forced to shut down last year sparking public outcry according to the head of the unit professor vincent boyman with every dialysis section the unit loses 380 cities which is accumulating as debt now, Mr. Boyma says the situation is now affecting service delivery and may lead to the total shutdown of the unit. So, currently, you already know that the government has access to recharging 380 Ghana cities each session, and each time you dialyze one person at 380, you lose another 380 because the actual cost is more than twice what the patients are paying now. So, we are actually um, uh, incurring costs which is not being paid for, which is half of uh, what they are c- currently paying for. And this is going to impact on how we get our consumables to continue dialyzing them. And the service we provide in general in the unit is really going to impact on it because we may not have enough funds to provide a needed service at the uh, standard that is really would give the patients a good outcome in terms of improving their quality of life in terms of uh, 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 prolonging their treatment in the long time or giving them a chance of surviving for a long time or good treatment satisfaction probably may not be able to provide all these things because uh, we are not charging at a rate that will help us buy the consumables needed because for instance what if this unit closes in the, within the next one or two months because we are run out, we run out the consumables and we are dialyzing at the rate that we can't buy enough. We buy very little dialysis and close down again, so treatment will be interrupted if we don't buy enough uh, consumables. See, uh, it's, it's, it's more, let me not say political, it's a national thing and people are concerned about their relatives who are sick. I understand that people are concerned that if a relative doesn't get treatment, he or she may die. I understand all that. And even if you and I are in the same position, we'll also be concerned. So it's a genuine concern. But the other truth of the matter is that if we don't pay realistic prices, the unit collapses and nobody gets treatment. Well, there is even more worrying situation because they have identified... As a number of young people between the ages of 20 and 50 suffering from kidney-related diseases. But what is accounted for this? Professor Boyman explains. So most of the patients who have kidney disease are very young, between the ages of 20 to 50. In fact, the mean age from our data registry now is 45.5 years. So they are very young people who are in their productive years of life and they are losing all that um, life to kidney disease, really. And the reason why most of these people are having these forms of kidney disease is exactly not clear at the moment because as much as one third or 30 percent of them we have labeled them as chronic kidney disease of unknown cause so it may be environmental causes it may be our genes as well some genes have been found in the u.s as increasing the risk of kidney disease among blacks, which is called the l one kidney disease a, a gene, which increases our, our risk of getting uh, kidney disease. And it's due to the fact that over the years in the past, we were exposed to the so-called sleeping sickness, trypanosomiasis, which for which we developed genes to protect us against that sleeping sickness. But that same gene now is causing kidney disease. It's known to predispose 
us or increase our risk of getting kidney disease. So that gene, on the background of other environmental factors we are exposing ourselves to, like the herbs that we are taking, the pain pills in the environment, the concoctions we are taking, the galamsey with exposure to the mercury and the arsenic that they are using to process the gold amongst other things, maybe increasing our risk of developing kidney disease, especially among the So this is the state of affairs at the Kolebu Renaz unit. The, the thing is that they are running at a loss because they require 380 Ghana cities more to be able to treat patients. Now the flip side of this matter is that people cannot even afford how much the center is charging us. So any increase will make it even harder. Now, what is the solution to this? Kolebu, through the Ministry of Health, they have put before the Ministry of Health new charges that they hope that, if implemented, will help them address the financial constraints they face at the unit. Now, government also will have to now put before Parliament a new charges and fees in a, in, in a new airline, a, a, a legislative instrument. Now, the thing about charges and fees is that once it's put before Parliament, it has to travel through the 21 days maturation period. Once it matures, it becomes law. There's nothing anybody can do about it. The effect of it is that if it is more than the people can pay, then you are likely to see more people die from kidney-related matters. The president of the, uh, the, the, the Rena uh, Patients Association joins me here in the studio to throw more light on this. But before we do that, Earlier on, I spoke about some people who have been remanded in prison custody uh, for the alleged involvement in the murder of Eric Johnson, that businessman who used to owe the who used to operate the Dubai Hotel, uh, the, the Cozy Hill Hotel in in Drapa. Uh, let me bring in Rafik Salama, West Upper West Region correspondent, to update us on the court decision. Rafik, you welcome to the pause. Why are they in custody? Thank you very much, Elton. Uh, why are they in custody? Has the case um, been established against them? Um, the, yeah, the, you know, the police, uh, we were told Sunday and Monday uh, to their social media uh, page that they have arrested uh, seven persons in connection with the gruesome murder of uh, Eric Johnson. And so they were profiled by the police. And out of these seven that were profiled, uh, two of them were granted police inquiry bill and asked to report to the police every day. But the five were also taken to the ward district uh, court. Uh, they were not charged, uh, but the police here also... Right, so Rafik Salam is our Upper West Regional Correspondent. He's updating us on the court decision that happened today. He was in court. So Rafik, you can go on. Hello? Yes, please go on. Okay, so they want them to be remanded for two weeks uh, till February 28th so that they will be able uh, to uh, finish their investigations. And so five uh, persons, including the general manager of a Royal Cozy Resort. Right, we appear to be having yeah, connection to Kluge here. Investigations. Hello, Rafik. Hello, Michael. Yes, I think connection is an issue here. We heard it there. Uh, the news is that five persons have been remanded into uh, prison custody to appear at another date. 
as the, 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 the police continue with their investigation, unraveling the circumstances that led to the gruesome murder of Mr. Eric Johnson, the, the, the proprietor of the Cozy Hill Hotel Adrapa in the Upper West Region. Let's come to the studio and deal with another matter that doesn't appear to be going away anytime soon. Now, the president of Rena Patients Association of Ghana, Balfour Kojo Ahinkra, uh, joins me in here in the studio as we look at the state of the Global Teaching Hospital Rena unit. Now, uh, Mr. Ahinkra, you're welcome. Thank you. And I hope all is well with you and your members. We can complain. We can complain. So you heard the, 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 the head of the unit. The situation has not been resolved. And there's no end in sight. Let me ask of your initial reaction to what we are learning from Kolebu and how are you taking it? We are not taking it in, in, in good faith, but the point is um, the Prophet Abouyama is telling the truth. Mm-hmm. The truth to be told. Apart from, even though we need the services, we need it, but when you do the double checkups, uh, uh, Kolebu is running at a loss mm-hmm. because even one that dialyzer, the artificial kidney that we are using now, is 32 euros. So convert the euros into cities. That is the dialyzer. The lines haven't come yet. Mm. Uh, the other things that we use that have not come yet. So basically, uh, what they are saying is the truth. Mm. But it's like, when they increase it, can we pay mm-hmm. that affordability? Is it there? Which is zero. Because even the 380 right now they are paying, it's still, a, a it's, it's still difficult for a lot of people. Major problem. A big problem. In fact, I can relate to this. And I can tell you for a fact that a friend of mine lost his life uh, about two weeks ago. This week we had this one week observation. Stephen Adaiba. I know him very well. He had to battle kidney issues for close to a year. When we thought he was getting better, then he succumbed to yeah. death. Now all the money that he spent trying to treat himself uh, gone to waste. And so a lot of people can relate to this this issue. But I mean, the 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 the, the end game is that then. So how do we deal with this matter permanently? You see, um, for some time now. Some of us, we've been there for some time. I have been on the place for nine years. You've been on dialysis for nine years? Nine years, yeah. You know, and um, we all understand the economy is switching finance. Mm. But the government have to come in. You see, uh, when the place was shut down, it was about the same price. We came back, it's about three months now. So you could see that when I go, I pay the 380, there's another 380 which is lying down. Who is paying that thing? Mm-hmm. I quite remember during that time. 380 every week. 380 per session. Per session. How many sessions do you do in a week? Normally we do twice or three. In a week. Ideally, you are supposed to do three. Three times but a week. But because of the financial aspect, most of the people are forced to do twice a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be 760. Mm-hmm. 380 plus three. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Now, this, that's what I'm saying, that because Colibu uh, wanted to charge um, 765.42, So when we go, we pay the 380. There's a backlog of another 380 oh. for each person. So each person, when you go twice and you do 760, there's another 760 who is paying for it. Yeah. Because I remember during uh, the time we were going through this play, Kolobusi uh, did certain calculations, and I think they presented to the Minister of um, Health, saying that if they are going to still charge the 380, then government is supposed to come in. I think every month is supposed to pay about 900 and something to cover up those losses, but I learned every month 700,000. They propose that's 900 something. I forgot, yeah, exactly. yes, almost a million Ghana cities yes. every month. Yes, that should be subsidized from the government exactly. so that we can pay the 380. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I don't know how far because that's now I learned for now we are only another two million, right? Yes, and the, debt, and the debt is, is keep, piling up, yes, keep piling every up. minute, yeah, keep piling because up. governments because there's actually no workable solution as of now, as of now, yes. yeah, yeah. The, the proposal from Kolebu is that, I mean, there should be a revision of the fees and charges, sure. which will have its own yeah. effect. Now, the National Health Insurance at some point came in and said that we can deal with this amount up only if the capping we take is dealt with. So, from your, for, how, I mean, your members, how do they take this? You see, any time such a news come out, already mentally, emotionally, they are down. Mm. So, when something like that comes out, then it worsens the case. If we dare do call it, so what are we doing? Let's do press conferences, but that is not going to solve the problem. Mm. We need to find a lasting solution to it. We can only appeal to the general public. Like yesterday, for instance, there's a school at Dansoma. School. And the head of this situation, and they were able to organize something mm. and come and donate to over the over one hundred thousand Ghana cities. Sure, sure. Donate to the union. So there for now, for now, since the government has not come in, the only thing we can do, we appeal to the several organizations, churches, and those things. Just two weeks ago, Zoom Lion also came in to do something. But it's in a bit... It's, it's not sustainable. Yes. But that is the only way we can go now. So that I mean, they can come in. There's much, much more they can support the unit with. Once we wait for the larger thing, that is the only way. But like he said, if you don't take maybe a month or two and the unit run out of consumable, they shut down. That will start to ruin that. Mm. When they said that we lost about 19 people. 19 people. 19. One So, so, so for, for, for an individual with very dark financial constraints, how does such people carry themselves through? You, have, you don't have a choice. You have to maybe call a friend, go and beg for somebody to support to come and maybe uh, come and do once a week. Go and hide yourself. Try and come. And sometimes when you see them, Big poly, their stomach big, their legs, their faces. Uh, I, I keep telling that sometimes um, the media people just come in unexpected. Mm. You, you, the things that you bring out. But the point is, you can't blame Kolibu. You can't fault Kolibu. Mm. Kolibu is doing all that they can. The machines are there. We need the consumables. So we need to pay the realistic prices to get the consumables in. Mm. Simple as that. And the government has to... See, the only solution is the government. And for now, maybe they are, they are not ready... We just appeal to the several the churches. Me, I always say, especially the churches, these mm. big, big churches, uh, Duncan Williams, Ajinasari, Church of Pentecost, uh, Mesa Utabel. Mm. 
Yes, we begged them. We begged them. We begged them. They should, they should factor us into whatever they are doing. Even they can be giving us like one, one million, one, one million. We put it together. We can get this two million they are talking about. One church can take it and pay it off for us. Mm. Then we see the way forward. Because if not that, my brother, hmm. I keep saying people don't know now kidney, like Prof was saying. Kidney is like malaria. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like malaria. Every day Kolebu get new case. Every day Kolebu get new case. And then come and see them. The age bracket. Very young. Between I can say between twenty to thirty-five. That is the large chunk of number who have had. We of us are we are a bit old enough. Yeah, we are in there, but the, the youth, especially the youth. What do we do? You can't afford trans- a transplant. It's millions of dollars. Mm. So you can only manage with this. And this one, too, if you are going to deny us, what do we do? So, so for you, for example, for the nine years that you've been, you've been on dialysis, the financing of it has come from your own resources. Yes, and then um, I wouldn't like to mention him. There's mm. one particular, it's more than I said to me. He, he, he has stood in. Anytime I call her, I WhatsApp her, sister, this is my problem. Uh, sometimes you could see she hasn't got back. She will manage and get mm. something for me to go and do it. Yes, but definitely it has been full from friends. The letter that I see when I was working. And after everything is gone. But apart from the, the challenge with having the service available to you, are you getting quality service at Kolebu? A1. You can't compare Kolebu to any place. The current machine that we are using, the current machine that we are using mm. now, is the I think the top of Fizino's machines that we are using. We call it the uh, 580. That, that is the name we give it to. Mm. Most of the private ones they don't have loops machines. I can only attest to the bank hospital. They have the machine that we are having. And mm. then uh, if you understand dialysis, I mean, when, when when you go on that machine and you go to different machine, if you you've done it very well, you could see the difference. Okay. So for for the for services, Kolibu is given E1. Right. For that one. Um, when you take a Kolibu patient and you take a patient from somebody, you will see the difference. So now the, the call is that there should be finality brought to this matter. Sure. The president, I mean, when, when this matter became so pronounced, we heard a lot of promises from the, from the health ministry, from the National Health Insurance Authority, from the presidency. It looks like all of us, we've gone to sleep because the noise died down and now the situation is beginning to, to emerge. All right, so thank you very much for coming through. And uh, hopefully, there will be a solution one day. Yeah, but we, 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 I would like to appeal to Joy. If you can set up some foundation, maybe your, your media group, uh, people can donate something small, small into it. To be big, then you come and present it to us. Mm. I told um, your other colleague some time ago, you beg them, you, you can do it. I mean, you can do, you set it up. People will be donating into it. You get, it becomes some amount of money. You come and present to the unit. At least it will defer some of the cost. Of course. It, it, it is a very good question. I'm sure the management will take note of it and do whatever we can to support this. Thank you very much, sir, for coming through. Meanwhile, at the Renard Unit of the Cape Coast Teaching Hospital, patients are calling on government uh, to subsidize dialysis services to ease the burden on them. Okay, I've been on this uh, dialysis for about five years. Actually, I don't know exactly what caused it, but the doctors told me it was pressure, high blood pressure. Yes, that caused the problem. That is a renal disease. It has been so difficult. Life has been so difficult. The cost involved and all other things put it together. It's not easy at all. It's not easy. Yes, yeah, so 
we are pleading on the government to do something about it. We, we, we heard some time ago that um, the government wants to infuse it with the health insurance. Yes, we are, we are waiting on the government. It shouldn't be mere rhetorics. Um, it should be implemented so that some of us uh, will be able to live uh, for a, a while, a long while. Okay, so we are pleading with the government to do something about it, especially the health insurance that he said. Oh, it, it is something motivational because this problem you need people to always motivate you because other than that you'll be thinking about it the, the thought of it alone can shorten the lifespan yeah so I'm so happy and excited receiving such items from the staff of, uh, uh, of this unit I'm so excited I, I wish they will continue periodically they will do something about it. <laughs> must work out like you. I, I think that um, Canada should should um, should um, but should give the people um, a subsidy, uh, a siphon, or something, something to to um, offset the cost of um, of that is just because it's it's so high, so high, so um, people can't can't afford it, um, and also then then these to um, Fix the machines so so they're always um, on par with um, so 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 more people can can get the machines and um, it, it's, it's easier for for people to um, uh, get treatment. This is a pause here on Joy News. Now let's move to some other stories. Now NDC member of Parliament for Bodhi. Samson Ahi in the Western North region says the president's latest reshuffle may be unconstitutional as it does not include any person from the Western North region. The only person in the, in the government who hailed from the Western North region was the Minister for Environment, Dr. Kwaku Afiye, who was sacked in yesterday's reshuffle, but we are told that he will be made the president's special envoy on climate. Now, speaking to journalists in parliament, Samson Ahi called on the president to immediately appoint a native from the Western North to satisfy the constitutional demand to have regional balance in the appointment of ministers. On the part of the president, for you to announce cabinet, ministers and their deputies, and as it stands now, we don't have anybody to represent us from the Western North region on the cabinet level. And also, uh, deputy ministers, but the constitution enjoins the president to consider regional balance when composing his uh, cabinet. And so we are not happy. The chiefs, the elders, the people of the Western are not happy. We want to believe that the president in the coming days will rectify this. A mistake. It's a huge mistake, and I'm not sure he will want this thing to stand. So we are drawing his attention that the people of Western North are not happy with what has happened. 
because at the moment the only person who represented us at cabinet was Total Copia Free, the Minister for Environment, Science and Technology. He has been sacked by the president and replaced with another person from a different region. So we were thinking that having sacked Dr. Kopia Fuye from Western Law, he will appoint another person from the Western Law to replace him. But after going through the list, we realized that nobody uh, came from the Western Law who was asked to uh, replace Dr. Kopia Fuye. And also when we go through the deputy minister's list, we don't have any, anybody nominated to be a deputy minister from the West. So in effect, we don't we don't have a rep in the current uh, architecture of Nanado's uh, government. And I think this is not right. The writing must be done. If it's an oversight, the president should do the writing. The people of the West are not happy. So is this really a legitimate call? Let me bring in uh, private legal practitioner Justice uh, Abdullahi. Uh, Councillor, you're welcome to the post uh, and a happy new year. It's good seeing you. Right, thank you very much, uh, Council, for your time this episode. Really, uh, is, it, is it an appropriate call? Is it really cast in stone that we should have regional balance in the appointment of ministers of state? Yeah, indeed. Um, it's, um, it's not just a desirable um, thing to do, but um, considering the circumstances of our country and how polarized we are, um, yeah, the framers of the Constitution felt the right thing to do to ensure unity um, and, and national cohesion was to ensure that um, we avoid the kind of politics that seeks to um, divide and rule, more or less. And, and so the whole architect of the constitutional provision regarding the appointment of um, cabinet and indeed government appointees is to ensure that when you, when you have an institution called government, oh. it's a representation of all course, all gender, and indeed all um, um, regions oh. reflecting in the government. It is not necessarily to ensure that people get to chop or people get to find their brother in government and so um, <laughs> they feel comfortable with the, with the government. That is not the essence of, of, of the constitutional provision, but the essence is to ensure that there's the unity around the office of the president or the executive, if you want to call it so. And so it is a desirable thing it also brings a sense of unity and it also ensures that when we are addressing the state of Ghana, we all know that we have everything to lose and indeed everything to gain from that kind of, um, from any conduct that will seek to bring down the executive or the state as a whole. So it is indeed the right thing to do to ensure that each time um, we are making an appointment, um, there should be that sense of regional and gender balance. I'm reflecting in the appointment. I remember that when former President Kofor was in power, this same issue came up. Where Absolutely. Yes, some people from the northern mm -hmm. part felt that they had been neglected. And the argument was about Absolutely. the quality of personnel he was looking for and, and he was not getting it from that particular region. Does that, Absolutely. Must that be 
a consideration? So, see, that's where um, sometimes we also get it wrong. Um, nation building has nothing to do with political interest and political affiliations. Uh-huh. So, um, even though um, at the time I didn't get the opportunity to um, um, discuss the President Kofor's position, but I, it's a position that I disagreed with because it was looking at the appointment from the eyes of a political appointment, i.e., from members coming from his political party. That is not what the Constitution is asking for. Mm. The Constitution is simply insisting, injuncting you in your appointment to get somebody representing that region or coming from that region. It doesn't matter whether that person is coming from a minority of, uh, minority of the persons living in that region. So long as the person comes from the region, he doesn't need to belong to your political party. Remember, nation building has absolutely less to do with political interest. Right. It has everything to do with the expertise of persons that are reflected in the government machinery. That is why people like Kosindu uh, and other people coming from other political parties, including, for instance, um, what's the man's name? The PNC man. Um, the, he, um, um, the, what's it called? The, the, the Inshallah man. The, the former, um, the, the former, the former sports large. minister. Sports no. minister and all of that. All of them had yes. appointments in the President Kofor's administration. They didn't need to belong to the political party. And that's Malamisa you are referring to. Malamisa, exactly. Malamisa. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to belong to the political party of the president. Now, this tells you that in doing your appointment, um, and you, it, it, it's, let me add this, it is impossible to convince anyone that the whole of the region doesn't have anybody with a level of expertise that could contribute to national development. Mm. At the end of the day, it's the national development that we seek for. But that national development also has to ensure that there are regional and and then indeed the gender balancing the equation. Like I said, the essence is national unity mm. and national development. So, so could this be oversight or what? I mean, uh, Sam Sinahi says that Dr. Fia was the only person from the Western North region that has been established as a fact. Now, we know that even though he's been removed as environment minister, what we have picked is that he's been uh, given a new appointment at, as, at the presidency as the president's special envoy on climate does this constitute, you know, satisfying the region in terms of having everybody on board? And sometimes that's also the vagueness in this whole discussion. And it takes you back <clears throat> to, the, to the spirit and, 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 and indeed the, the text of the law. If the, the, the law is quite clear as to its um, requirement, mm. my position is that... Um, my position is that so long as the person is part of the integral aspect of government, it should suffice. Right. Um, and so if you read the law simply on the basis of the text and say that the person must necessarily be a member of cabinet, I think you would have to ask yourself the basic questions. Why the essence? Why the particular usage of the word? And, and if, if you ask yourself these basic questions, then you come to that conclusion that the idea is not necessarily for the person to sit in cabinet. Because remember, at this moment, we have 16 regions. Right. Cabinet is, nine, uh, is made of 19 ministers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You literally would be asking that everyone, every region must be reflected in cabinet. Mm-hmm. I, I think that might be an impossible task, um, um, particularly knowing that... Um, we, 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 are, we are in a politically divided country. Of course, it's, um, it's 
from, from the onlooker, it might look like this particular comment that I just made defeats my earlier position that right. it shouldn't matter whether the person belongs to the political party or not. But the other side is this. The other side is this. Uh-huh. That dealing with this matter should go beyond simply looking at regions. Uh-huh. But What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Same time, looking at competence, looking at national development, and at the same time ensuring that you are meeting the constitutional um, injunction. So it's a complex issue, but it has to. Um, but you cannot do away. Without necessarily having to meet and or ignoring the constitutional injunction imposed on on you as a president. So, so therefore, what, what are the options available to the region? Can somebody, for example, go to court to force the president's hand? Indeed, you can literally force the president to comply with the constitutional injunction. Um, um, and it just for the avoidance of that, if I may, probably if you if you don't mind, I can read out the constitutional right. provision. Um, um, so it is Article 35, um, Clause 6B, and it says that um, the clause says that, that towards the achievement of the objectives stated in Clause 5 of this article, the state shall take appropriate measures to first of all ensure a foster a spirit of loyalty to Ghana that overrides sectional, ethnic, and other lo- um, loyalties. So if you remember what I said earlier, that the whole essence is to ensure unity. Right. And this is reflected in A. And the B says that to achieve reasonable regional and gender balance in recruitment and appointment to public offices. It is not cabinet, as right. I said earlier. Uh-huh. Public office. Right. To achieve regional, and, and it's supposed to be reasonable. Uh-huh. Reasonable. Uh-huh. And so, um, it's, it's difficult for one to simply say that if uh, that one person who sat in cabinet has been removed and now has been made an envoy, as still within the office of the president, to say that simply on the basis of that, um, the president has breached the constitution. I, I think that would be too far-fetched. Uh-huh. If the president is still a member of government, I, it, it would be very difficult to argue without and, and win successfully. Uh, Lord, before I let you go, one final question, and maybe your opinion on what we can do with this particular provision going forward. Because, I mean, you have watched the political space for, for a while now. Depending on which party is in power, you will find more of the ministers coming from sometimes a particular region. I mean, for example, it is no denying the fact that the MPP is in power. You have more accounts in, in very 
good ministerial position than the other region. When the NDC was in power, you had more people from the north, especially when former President Yomahama was in power. Isn't it about time we look at competence, utability, rather than bringing the ethnicity uh, aspect of this whole conversation? Absolutely a good point, a valid point to make. And um, if, if you observe my position this afternoon, my position has been um, quite resounding as to what I think should be the best thing for Ghana. Competence. Right. Expertise should override where a person comes from and how the person looks like and how the person, whether the person is a man or a woman, whether he's a child or a, or a mature adult. I think we should, that should override all considerations in the appointment of public officers. Mm -hmm. um, but the text of the Constitution um, is, is also not skewed against these um, values that you and I are preaching this afternoon. Right. The text of the provisions in the Constitution says that there, it should be a reasonable balance of region and gender. Of region and gender. And I think this has um, a lot to do with our, our history. When you take into consideration the fact that um, women have hitherto been neglected oh. in a lot of ways. Um, and, and, and the comments to the effect that women's place are in the kitchen. I mean, these um, defeating, I mean, self-defeating comment um, that has led us up to this point. Um, I think the framers sought to override that kind of mindset for right. us to move, move forward. Mm. And then also come to this point of the political party determining the majority of members of government. It's also reflected in this same thing. Right. As you rightly noticed, um, when Jerry Rollins was in power, um, even though nobody has done any statistics, but you can easily infer that you had more people from the Ewerland in government. Oh. When John Kofor came, the same thing. When Atamus came, you had his followers coming from sections of the country. The constitutional injunction is trying to avoid the occurrence of that. Sometimes you may not find these persons, um, um, for instance, typically reflecting in their in the appointment, but um, um, as a ministerial appointment, but you find them in the kitchen right. of the president. Of course. <laughs> you go to the kitchen, go mm -hmm. to the office of the president. Mm -hmm. That is where you see this actually reflecting. Yeah, it's so visible yeah. and evident in those areas more than you'd find when you are dealing with ministers. Dealing with ministers is so easy. You may find the regional balance and the gender balance and, and sometimes political balancing. But go to those who serve the president. Those who serve the vice president. You find that most of them are either family members or, or, or people from the, his tribe or people from his region or people from his village. Absolutely. You are right on that. This is what we find. All the time. Sitting there, at least we can speak, uh, we can limit ourselves to the fourth Republican constitution. This is what we've witnessed. And, but this doesn't come out. Nobody talks about it because these people are not ministers. But these people are very powerful. They call it the kitchen cabinet. Sometimes... <laughs> The kitchen cabinet, they are so powerful. And so, um, I admit, and I urge that um, national development should overlook and override these sentiment. We should be focusing on development. We should be focusing on competence. We should be focusing on expertise. And regardless of where they are, people in other countries 
even borrow expertise from outside of their own countries. Right. Other nationals. All right. Before I let you go, before I let you go, uh, council. I mean, Parliament. I mean, Parliament has been in operation since 1992. After 30 years, they found it necessary to amend their own rules to reflect current reality. So therefore, now they have a new standing order. It is about time we, we, we have a serious conversation about 1992 constitution. I think um, this conversation is long overdue. And um, largely for us, President Mills, um, indeed, the president, president um, and all the presidents have this serious conversation. If you remember during the, um, the presidential election debates, of, uh, I think, 2012 or right. 2011. Mm. Um, almost all the candidates, I remember Dr. Injum, Abu Nasa, Dr. Nasar, I mean, what's it called? Abu um, Sakara, mm. um, and um, of course, President Mills, and including President uh, Nanado, okay. were all on the platform. All of them unanimously agreed that we needed a second look at the Constitution. And that is undoubtedly what we need to do. And the committee was set up. They came up with their findings. A white paper was issued. And this is where I was going. This is <laughs> where I was going. Luckily for us, President Mills took the bold decision to review the Constitution. Of course, there was a setback when Professor uh, Masari went to the Supreme Court. Um, I think we, we have a connection issues there with uh, Justice uh, Abdullahi if we're able to re-establish re contact with him, then we'll, we'll let him finish his point on the, on, 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 on the need for a possible review of the 1992 Constitution in view of what is happening. Parliament has, has you know, adopted a new standing orders. They have they phased out the standing orders that was incorporated in 1992. After over 30 years of parliamentary democracy, they've come to the conclusion that they need something that reflects current trends, especially in the country. That's the reason why uh, we have a new standing order. And I was just concluding with him on his talks on whether the time hasn't come for us to finally put the matter to the back burner as we review the question. All right, so that's it. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Justice Abdullahi, private legal practitioner. But let's conclude on the cabinet reshuffle because the former chief of staff under the elsewhere Kofo administration, Koyon Piani, has raised concerns about the timing of the president of Kufuado's ministerial reshuffle uh, with barely 10 months with general elections. Approximately 13 current ministers of state, including 10 cabinet ministers and two regional ministers have been affected by the reshuffle. Following the reorganization of the government, President Kufuado submitted uh, to parliament for prior approval the names of some individuals for appointments as ministers and deputy ministers of state by the constitution. They speak, uh, speaking on PM Express, Mr. PNE Express, Reservation, noting that whilst the president has prerogative to make such changes, the proximity to the upcoming election raises concerns about the, the effectiveness and impact of the reshuffle. Reshuffles are the prerogative of the president. He, he works with the ministers and the deputy ministers, and he should be able to determine who is working well and who is not working well. My only concern is. Is it the right time to have this reshuffle? That's my only concern. Otherwise, it is the president's prerogative. He decides what he wants to do with his government. If he believes the changes will help him to achieve his aims, fine. If you go ahead and do that.
but I am thinking it means, it means to an election we don't have any effect on the direction of government, I don't know. Maybe the president knows. Or maybe those within his circle know those within his circle know this. But to be honest, I think the timing is a problem. Otherwise, it is prerogative to do a reshuffle as he thinks fit. You have statements to an election. Uh, some of these are new, completely new. Maybe you get them in place by the end of the month for the middle of next month. How are they going to be able to learn what, know what is within the ministries to enable them maybe direct the ministry in a way maybe the president wants them to do now? That's the time I'm talking about. What is it meant to a general election? What do you want to achieve? I don't know. This is the time I'm talking about. I think it's too close to the election, and I don't believe uh, there will be... I, I, don't, I don't believe they can, they, they can, they can be any, any massive change in the direction of the government at this stage. Well, the leadership of the New Patriotic Party is, however, rejecting assertions that a reshuffle of the ministers came in a little too late. 19 current ministers and 10 deputies, two regional ministers were affected. The MPP says uh, government critics should assess the new appointees based on their output in office and not the time left for them to serve. Listen to national organizer of the party, Henry Nanabwache. Actually, I would want to submit that uh, under the same reshuffle, in fact, this is, for me, the most detailed and massive reshuffle in the His Excellency Nanab Dampo's party. And uh, again, the respected and revered former President Jacob for six months' election, we saw some reshuffles. And again, um, my very own uncle, former Chief of Staff, was then the Chief of Staff. Six months to elections, and we have a whole 11 months uh, to elections. So I think that, um, first of all, let me commend His Excellency the President. The changes uh, for me were needed, and it is good. It, uh, it, it is happening this particular time. You recall that when we were having an annual television service, the General Secretary spoke the mind of the party. Uh, he articulated the views of the party by appealing to his excellency the president to make some changes. And I'm happy with the changes. I mean, Fatima uh, Abu Bakar it worked so well. Her elevation is very, very welcoming, very refreshing. Um, you have uh, my big sister, Nabu Ophelia, in the studios, and she's also worked very hard. and. He deserves to be there. And there are some young faces, new energy, new ideas. Vincent of Pupankono, very sharp guy. Our own brother, very sharp guy. Very intelligent brain. And you know, it is a mix, it is a blend of the experienced new person. And I think that it is good. It is going to give the administration some new energy um, and a new force. 
So I don't have any issue with it at all. And in the party uh, welcomes this particular news. We are happy with these changes. And we commend the Excellency the President for such massive and broad reshuffle. Let me bring in the former member of parliament for Tamale Central, Inusa Fuseini. Uh, Mr. Fuseini, welcome to the pause. You're enjoying this. Uh, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good, and I trust you are doing well too. Happy New Year to you. Good. Same to you. Same to you. So, two, so two issues I want to pick your, your brains on. First is this decision by the General Legal Council to debar Samuel Nikwe Tete, who was a Chief of State Attorney at the Office of the Attorney General, for for failing to ask life to explain how 400,000 cities came from after that we see what you mean another in the wife's account i mean as a lawyer this must sound very disgraceful for you no, it, it, it's actually very sad and worrying because the legal profession uh, before a person becomes a lawyer you will have to go through rigorous training if a person starts at the University of Ghana or any other university, uh, you will re require three years of uh, undergrad studies, uh, and then uh, you, you proceed to the Ghana School of Law, and you do two years. So you have five years. So it, it requires a lot of hard work. And uh, that's a profession that is many people are envious of. Many people want to be, to, to, to be lawyers. Mm. And, and uh, it's a status symbol too as well. When you become a lawyer, your name changes in the community in which you are. Uh, you are no longer called your name, but you're called lawyer associates. So, um, and so for it to happen to Nikwe Tete is really, really very sad. And I'm very, very sad. And I know Nikwe Tete. Uh, I know he was hardworking and diligent. Uh, uh, but the legal profession too upholds professional conduct. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, uh, nobody working within the uh, legal uh, 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 regime, uh, if you want the legal setup, uh, uh, should do anything to subvert the course of justice. Mm. And, and, and it becomes gross professional misconduct if a prosecuting officer or an officer of the Attorney General's Department, or a lawyer for that matter, is seen to be dealing in an unprofessional way with the uh, I mean, an accused person, and so or a person under investigation, and so that is the worry. I mean, even though I have tremendous sympathies for Nikwe, is is inability to explain how. 400,000 Ghana cities of Wyoming's money, mm. which money was acquired in the way that uh, we have questions to answer. I mean, I mean, he should have questions to answer. Which money has been declared money is belonging to the state, found its way to Nikwe's account, uh, is something that is troubling and bothers, bothers me really, really too much. I, I I feel sorry for him. I have sympathies for him. Uh, I, he can appeal against the decision. I was um, coming to that. I was coming to whether <laughs> whether whether he can appeal. Uh, against he can appeal against the decision, mm -hmm. especially the sentence. I mean, to impose a lifetime ban on Luke Tete 
appears to be too harsh. Uh, appears to me to be too harsh, and, oh. and, and that's my view. Uh, uh, I think that uh, he can appeal the the, the sentence and, and, and see whether uh, the uh, the general legal counsel can treat him more leniently than imposing a lifetime ban on him. But to be honest with you, it's really really troubling. But remember that in in in, in the course of this case. The state against uh, Mr. Oyome, this same lawyer was representing the state. At some point, came to the conclusion the case are not case. And now we are getting to understand perhaps what may have informed that position he espoused back then. Yeah, that's exactly what we are saying. We are on the same force with you. Mm. That look, so if, if the 400,000 Ghana cities of Oyome's money found his way into Nikuetete's account. Oh. And Nikuetete was the prosecutor who was handling the matter and made decisions with decisions in, our, in, in, in subsequent events will show that uh, those decisions were influenced largely by the amount of money or by the money given to him by Woyomi. It becomes gross, gross professional misconduct and and a subversion of justice. And, and, and probably that's why the General Legal Council takes a very dim view of his conduct. So for, for, for folks at the, uh, the, 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 Auditor General, the, the Attorney General's office, I mean, what lessons can be drawn from this? Hello, Mr. Mr. Nusa? Right, so uh, connection is not there. only to. Mm-hmm. It's not only. Yes, the connection is. Uh, not yes, the same. I, th- I it's think it's better now. Lawyers are- What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Attorney General's Department. Uh, I think it's not only for lawyers at the Attorney General's Department. It is for all lawyers. For all lawyers. I mean, the case became serious because he is working at the Attorney General's office where a state attorney compromises the interests of the state. That is gross, gross, gross uh, misconduct. And so, clearly, even though the case... Uh, he was working at the Attorney General's Department at the time that the thing happened. It goes for all lawyers, including myself, uh, to be aware that when dealing with clients, uh, particularly uh, where you are serving the interests of another party, you should be wary 
dealing with the the with the, with of dealing with the uh, the a, a party who is not your client. Mm. You, you should be very worried. I mean, and 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 that can lead to a debarment. And so clearly, uh, it's for all lawyers. They want it to all lawyers. I mean, it's, it's clearly not acceptable within the legal profession. Mr. Fussell, before I let you go, we've also been, you know, been chewing on this uh, bone thrown at us by the president yesterday morning when he undertook that massive shake-up of his administration. Now, today we've been told by your former colleague in Parliament, member of Parliament for Bodhi in the West North region, that there's no representation in the ministerial setup of the Akufuadu administration by anybody from the Western North region, and that for him, that's a constitutional breach. Uh, first, your, your reaction to the, to the reshuffle, and then whether there is merit in what something he uh, is demanding that the president should have a rating and have somebody from the Western North in his ministerial setup. Uh, it, should, it should appear to you that the reshuffle that the, uh, the president has just done or did yesterday mm. was intended to spite us as Ghanaian. So why? Why? Uh, why do you conduct a reshuffle when you are just eight months to exit in office? When majority of your uh, ministers that you are appointed into office are members of parliament, mm. where they will have to shuttle between their constituencies and the office. Uh, and at this present time, their interests will lie squarely with maintaining their their seats at the constituency. Mm. And when the clarion call for you to to shift the chips and make sure you bring more competent people or people with fresh ideas. He fiercely resisted that and called uh, those who made those calls as naysayers. Mm-hmm. So to do a shuffle in this manner, eight months to an election, means one, you could have done it. He could have done it. Mm. At the time the calls were being made, he could have done it. Why didn't he do it? Two, He's done it in such a way as to slap us in the face. I have said elsewhere that I have, I have known Akufado, uh, the president, to be an obstinate uh, old man. He is so intransigent, put pressure on you. He says, well, you say you want, you want reshuffle. Get your reshuffle. And then he does it to spite us. And that's what he's done. That's what he's done. These people who have been uh, 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 up appointed or reassigned or reappointed uh, will, will, will make an impact in, in the government. They need, uh, on average, about six months to study Settling. the rudiments of the new portfolios that have been given. And, 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 and then, before they settle in, we are going for elections. And then they have to be shuttling between the ministries and their constituencies. And we know what that means. Uh, even with people who are not, uh, uh, who were initially occupying those offices, majority of them, or most of them, failed to attend parliament because of the, of the duties of their office. And now, uh, they are facing the, the, the duties of parliament, there's the constituency, and then the duties of a, a ministry. So, I don't think they will achieve much. I think that Dana Kufadu has slapped us in the face. Yeah, but, but what about the concerns raised by Sam Sanahi, that there is no representation from the Western North? Clearly That's means that the, uh, the Richard Fuller has not been inclusive enough. Clearly, I mean, if you are, if you think that you are going to create an all-inclusive government and you are going to share the pie, 
by regional representation. Uh, uh, West North should have a representation. Mm. And so the fact that they are not there uh, is a legitimate concern that uh, for a racial fall of this nature to occur and the whole region is excluded from the racial fall means that the racial fall is not inclusive enough. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Council, Inus Afuseni, former member of parliament for uh, Tamale Central. He served as lands and natural resources rules minister during the. We work here on the pulse. The Asantia Chema Plantain Processing Factory, founded by the African Development Bank under the government's One District, One Factory initiative, has been abandoned two years after its commissioning. Joy News checks indicates the factory expected to process and as for plantain is covered by weeds as the structure is turned into a hideout for hooligans. With high demand for a processing plant, residents are calling for a reversal of the situation. My colleague, Anabuachi Yadon, visited the community and has this report. The Asante Achim area is one of the leading plantain processing communities in Ghana with a growing demand for a processing factory. This led to the establishment of a processing center under the government's One District, One Factory initiative to aid farmers in value addition to their produce. The plantain processing factory commissioned in 2022 is now covered with weeds. There has been no form of human activity two years since its establishment. A careful scrutiny of the facility showed no form of work ongoing. Roofs are peeling off as several offices are left to rot. Seated on about an acre of land, the processing factory seemed complete, but nothing is going on here. A peep through the main production room shows no evidence of industrial machinery. The beautiful structure has now become a hideout for hooligans. Some residents who spoke to Joe News appealed for government's swift intervention. <laughs> The last time I passed by the plantain processing factory, I could see nothing going on over there. They plead with government to fasten its work on the plantain processing factory. Farmers here would be happy if the factory is operational. I plead with government to fasten its work on the plantain processing factory. This factory, since they cancelled for its construction and commissioning, has not been operational. We plead with them to install machines to enable us access the factory. But the member of parliament for Asantia Chim North, Andy Apiakubi, says the government intends to install machines for work to commence in the coming weeks. We would have started long ago, but unfortunately we are confronted with some uh, uh, challenges. And therefore, we need to plan according to uh, the schedule of delivery of delivery. So, uh, as I'm saying, we will finish the installation in the next few weeks, and uh, thereafter we are mobilizing also the capital. And, you know, uh, we are going to probably put shares the MP says despite financial challenges, the government will partner with private investors to ensure work begins. We need to mobilize private capital to use as working capital. And that is what I'm telling you that we are mobilizing. It's going to be a partnership of everybody to something. 
So noted for being a community where the growing of plantain is a mainstay business. This plantain processing factory commissioned in 2022 was expected to help traders and farmers. But what do we see in 2024? An abandoned plantain processing factory. For Joy News, my name is Nanabuachi Dankwe Yadom. Asante Achimagogo. Here in Accra, 70 brilliant students, including a former National Science and Mass star who became a Kayaye, financial challenges have been awarded full scholarship by the Perkan Energies through its Perkan Inspire Scholarship Program. The scholarship by the oil company aims to prepare the beneficiaries to contribute to the economic development of the country. My colleague, Kwesia Dai Kwarten, has the rest of the story. After SHS, I didn't ha even have some money to pick my forms when it, co it comes to my forms. So to get the application form to even apply to uh, the university was actually a problem. That is Jennifer Anale Apingu, National Science and Mass Quiz star, and the best graduating student during her WASI, who almost had her dreams of becoming a pharmacist thwarted due to financial challenges. Jennifer, despite her brilliance and zeal to pursue higher education, ended up as a waitress and later a head porter, popularly known as Kayae, to make ends meet. But today, there's a glimmer of hope for Jennifer as Pecan Energies through its Pecan Inspired Scholarship Program, has awarded her and 69 other brilliant students full scholarship to study various STEM programs. CEO of Pecan Energies Ghana Limited, Khadija Amwa, announcing the award on Thursday, said the company is committed to supporting students from less privileged backgrounds to achieve their potential through education. So Pecan Inspired Scholarship is an offshoot of our, we had a previous one that was for high school, and we changed it to PSIP to make it tertiary after the pre-senior high school program was introduced in 2017. We've had, under the high school program, we had a thousand young people go through the scheme. And currently with PSIP, we have 141. And it's really because we believe, as Pecan Energies and our owners, Africa Finance Corporation, we believe in education as a tool to unlock in prosperity and in changing lives because there's so much potential in this continent the way to one of the one of the one of the key things we need to do is educate people, and so it's meant to be an in inclusive scholarship scheme, and that's why you had us talk about the fact that this year we had 80% of our scholars are female, and we had two physically challenged people. A very elated Jennifer, who couldn't hide her joy, shared how her dream of becoming a pharmacist is taking shape through the Pecan Inspire Scholarship Program. So I came across the Pecan Inspire Scholarship Program, where, like, after various assessments, I had the scholarship. So I am happy today, studying the Doctor of Pharmacy in UHAS, and and very soon I'll be a pharmacist. So I'm I'm very happy. We'll be expecting a pharmacist in 2029. So. Yeah. Manuel, a young man from a less privileged in a fishing community also indicated that with the scholarship he aspires to become one of the best energy economists in the country i want to become one of the one of the best energy economists in ghana basically to analyze complex energy trends and to provide um, advice to stakeholders that's with um, Pekin, i think i can i remember when i was in senior school one of my 
Pekan Energies was like a motivation to me. So in senior school, I was there. I was recognized the best literature student on, on campus. Uh, I mean, I was one of the best students on campus. Even in the scholarship, I was one of the best students. And then, yes, I think it was the worst that I didn't really do well. I had a great 13, but at least I'm part of this um, university scholarship. And um, it's, it's really helpful. I'm going to do more with it. Khadija Amwa added that Pecan Energies, through its scholarship program, aims to prepare beneficiaries to take advantage of emerging technologies. That the future is really technology, it's going to be driven by technology, AI, and what we're trying to do is to empower young people to be ready and, and to ready to problem solve and be the leaders of our next generation. And so we're focusing on STEM mainly because of because of these reasons. Benefits of the award includes full tuition, lodging fees, a laptop, semester stipend, student development programs, and mentoring and academic advice. Kwesi Adai Kwatin's report for Joy News. So on the man's most iconic day at the Nabadi Beach Hotel, Love Cast is spelled. Two loyal listeners of Joy FM expressed their affection to one another. With expenses met, dinner spread, wiped their hearts entwined in love, sweet tight. But let my words not steal the show. Here's a wrap of what you might miss last night. Enchanting Labadi Beach Hotel in Accra, where love was best mingled with the waves, a captivating love story took center stage. Someone has carried close to his beloved Jeanette O'Day Danso. as smiles as radiant as the sun, the delighted couple could hardly contain their joy. It has been a wonderful day, a day I will never forget. I'm so happy. I don't know, like, and I'm, I'm surprised. I, 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 you can still see that. <sighs> the air is thick with anticipation as the wedding bells may soon shine. Newman graciously shares his plans for the big day. We are thinking about October and December. Wow. Either her birthday, her birthday is December, and my birthday is October. So we decide one of them. But the brains behind the captivating evening was Joy FM Programs Manager, Adam Nighty. She let us in on what went into making the night special. So, um, Philip and I and brought some of other team members on board and we're thinking, what can we do to excite, you know, our audience this Valentine? And then we kept tossing ideas together. And this one came up and we thought that, wow, this is it, let's run with it. And then we started working at it. So it was just to excite, you know, um, our audience this Valentine. For Joy News, I am Jacqueline Asma Eboa. And before we go, let me take you to Germany, where NATO is holding its largest military exercise in Europe since the Cold War. The exercise called Steadfast Defender will take place over the coming 
uh, months at a crucial time for the military alliance. DW Emily Schutters in Berlin has more on this. Let me begin. In Emily, what is involved in the military exercise and which countries are participating? These military exercises really are taking place on a, on a seemingly unprecedented scale in the modern in the modern era for NATO. You have approximately ninety thousand troops and military personnel that will be taking place or that will be taking part in this. Uh, you have people from all thirty-one countries involved in the military alliance, as well as Sweden, which is a candidate to join NATO and is expected to to join. The uh, most likely later this year, and the exercises are taking place over a number of months. So some of them have already gotten started, and it will continue through the spring. And this is really uh, the biggest kind of, of similar exercise since the end of the Cold War. So this is it is very much a, a significant uh, effort on on behalf of, of NATO. Let's look at the significance of this training exercise. Well, this comes really at, at, at a moment of, uh, of uncertainty and, and certainly a moment of, of pressure, increased pressure on NATO as a military alliance. Since Russia invaded Ukraine in February of 2022, we're coming up on the two-year anniversary of that, you have seen new challenges for NATO, you've seen sort of the concern that... Uh, that Russian President Vladimir Putin might not be interested in stopping at NATO's eastern flank, and so you have countries like Poland, countries like some of the Baltic nations that are that are concerned about what kinds of actions Russia might attempt to take against them. And so this really is a moment where, when you have war on on European soil again, there is a lot of attention being paid to what the role of this alliance should be and making sure that the alliance is, is prepared for, for anything that might come from the Russian side. So you do also have, in addition to kind of this, this general attention being paid to that war and to what it means for, for the rest of the alliance, you've also seen Finland join, for example, Finland, which shares a, a border with Russia. And as I mentioned, Sweden is, is a candidate to join. And so these are sort of new moments and, and, and a, a new evolution for the military alliance. So what challenges is NATO facing right now, and what has the reaction been from leaders in Germany and elsewhere? Well, at the moment, one of the biggest challenges we've seen is comments from former President Donald Trump in the United States, uh, who, who said a couple of things about NATO. He's been critical of the military alliance uh, throughout his tenure in the White House and, and in the years since. Um, but what he said this time was, first of all, that if countries involved in NATO uh, are attacked who have not necessarily paid the requisite 2% of their GDP toward defense spending and towards NATO that the United States might consider not necessarily honoring its commitment to defend those countries. And so this is something that, that builds on comments he has previously made. But the other thing that Trump said was essentially that Russia can and should do as it likes, which were comments that were met with quite a, quite a great deal of alarm here in Europe by, by many of the European leaders who you know, see this, this military alliance as crucial to the continent's security. And so all of that has been met with, with quite a lot of outrage from European leaders, including here in Germany, and really does kind of put major questions on the table about what would happen to NATO if Trump were elected president in the United States. 
again uh, this November. So this is, you have these military exercises taking place um, as NATO kind of faces some of these existential questions going forward. Emily Schutters from our partner DWTV in Germany. Well, that's it for today's edition of The Pulse. We have a day tomorrow. My name is Elton Groby. For more stories, log on to our website, myjoyonline.com. Business Life is happiness on your television.